Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with award-winning author Joseph Bedell, the author of Death Ship, the fifth book in the fabulous Danforth saga thriller series, and Death Ship was released today. Joe, congratulations on the release, and happy birthday. I happen to know it's your birthday as well. Thank you, Steve. It's wonderful to be back on CrimeFiction.fm with you again. I hope you don't expect me to sing happy birthday because I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, please, please. You're okay with that? <laughs> I, oh, I'm so good. I'm so okay with that. You can't believe it. <laughs> all right. For listeners, I am a huge fan of the Danforth series. I've, I've read them all up to this point, and I, I love the family. I love the interaction of the family. Um, and I, I love the way you write books and, you know, the good guys overcome. It's, it's just fun, great reads. Uh, the last time you were on the show was for your first mystery, which, which was also a great book. But I've, I'm thrilled to see a new Danforth book out. So let's first give listeners a little sense of the Danforth family themselves and sort of bring us up to date for the fifth book, Death Ship. Uh, happy to, Steve. Yeah, the... Uh... Uh, four previous books in the Danforth saga are Evil Deeds, Carousel, The Nostradamus Secret, and The Lone Wolf Agenda. And uh, the the series starts in uh, 1971 and with Evil Deeds. And the book is um, semi-autobiographical because it's based on the actual kidnapping of our two-and-a-half-year-old son, when I was stationed in Greece with the U.S. Army back in 19, uh, late 1960s, early 1970s. And uh, that was such a poignant um, you know, and terrifying experience that it kind of led to that first book. And then I thought, you know, this is kind of fun writing, <laughs> writing this stuff and, and, uh, uh, and, and having that kind of semi-autobiographical basis uh, uh, made it even more fun for me. And then, of course, uh, I just expanded out from there in pure fiction. Uh, and it, the, the books are uh, chronologically correct, so in the sense that uh, unlike some protagonists in some series who never age over a 20-year or 30-year period, uh, Bob Danforth and Liz Danforth have aged with each year. So now Bob is is retired from the CIA in 70, and, and Mike, his son Michael, who's a general with Delta Force, is becoming a bigger player. And Death Ship actually introduces uh, Michael's son, uh, Bob and Liz's grandson, Robbie, uh, who uh, is now 15 years old and is on a uh, cruise in the Mediterranean with his grandparents and his mother uh, when they, their ship is hijacked by pirates. So... That's kind of the lead-in to the story. All right. Now, d- just to clean something up, you mentioned uh, a kidnapping, a real-life experience. Just so that people aren't alarmed, this was, for you, this was over fairly quickly and ended, it ended well. That's correct. And, but, of course, when you're fictionalizing it it's, it, it, it's expanded a bit. So in the first book, and you have a tendency to do this. You, you pluck little things that have happened to you in your life and use them in the books, and you've you, you've done this in several of your books. No, I, I, that's correct, and and uh, you know you uh, all the successful authors will tell you you write about what you know, mm-hmm. and so that that kernel of 
personal experience, or in some cases that that uh, little snippet of of real history, uh, I think goes a long way in uh, in uh, enhancing a story as well as building a in, uh, reader's interest in uh, in the events that occur in a book. Okay, you you sort of led into uh, Death Ship, but. Give us a little bit broader overview of the storyline for Death, Death Ship, if you would. Yeah, you bet. Uh, well, uh, it, it's interesting. I really like my character, Robbie Danforth. And, and Robbie, like I said, is 15 years old. And Robbie is a, is, is a cerebral kind of kid, a good kid, uh, who's being bullied. And um, the book starts out in the first chapter with, uh, the the end of the semester and Robbie having been fairly badly bullied and and physically beaten and, and of course uh, his father Michael a um, a very uh, heroic uh, special ops officer wants to do something about it and uh, but with the semester over and Robbie going off on a cruise with his grandparents he figures it can wait and so this. A good part of the book shows Robbie kind of developing from this quiet, introverted kid to one that has um, pretty good instincts and and is a pretty courageous kid. And uh, and so they go through the family goes through this uh, hijacking and and turns out that ISIS is behind the hijacking and and uh, it's a. It's a very complicated and timely plot, and then the book finishes with Robbie back in school and uh, this, the target of bullies again, and uh, the ending is, uh, will very, very much surprise the reader. Uh, it's, it's a lot different than I think anybody would ever expect. Well, I can say from previous history that you always leave readers extremely satisfied. Thank you. <laughs> so I appreciate it. You live in New Mexico. Correct. And you, was it a year ago that you were, uh, you won a, a major award at the Tony Hillerman Conference? Uh, well, it was actually uh, the New Mexico Arizona Book Awards. And, okay. and, I, re- and I received the uh, Tony Hillerman Prize for Best, Best Fiction Book of the Year um, for. Uh, the Lone Wolf Agenda. Okay, which was the fourth book in the series. And I, I happen to know from having spoken with you before that that was a tremendous honor for you to receive that particular award because of your respect for Tony and his wife. Well, it, that's, that is an understatement, uh, Steve. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because uh, Tony was actually my first mentor. And uh, he was the one that introduced me to my uh, literary agent. He um, read the entire manuscript of my first book, The Pythagorean Solution, wrote a wonderful blurb about it, and uh, really kind of gave me that shove in the back that uh, that put me on the road to to what I'd like to say is kind of you know reasonable success in my writing to date. And what, what may be interesting to listeners, and it's, it's fascinating to me, is that writing is a second career for you. You had a very successful career in business, and then you got into writing, and it's been a slow, steady build for you, which is the kind of thing that we don't see that much 
uh, in author development now. It, it's the kind of thing that we used to see 20 or 30 years ago where, uh, where an author could accumulate readers over time and slowly but surely build a career. Uh, but it's something that you've been able to do as a second career. Well, yeah, and it was always my first love, and it's what I always wanted to do. And, and uh, as I think I've told you before, Steve, my dad said, dummy, you can't be a writer. You don't have any life experiences, <laughs> and besides, you can't make a living at it. Uh-huh. And uh, at least in, uh, initially when I started writing, I, I proved him right on both counts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's what I've really always wanted to do. And, and uh, my first book was published when I was 59 years old, and... Uh, uh, but it's something I love and I'm so passionate about, and that's the message I try and give to aspiring writers. And I don't care if they're 17 or 70. I, uh, just, if you're passionate about it, sit down and write the story. It doesn't matter if it's mechanically correct. Just write the story, and we, you can always clean it up after the fact. And I get very frustrated when people say, well, I got this great story uh, to write about, but they never get about around to writing it, and and I think it's because they don't have the passion. When when you got started with this, I mean, you have you have evolved a lot in the last decade plus as a writer, and your books just keep getting better and better. Which, I don't know, in 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 today's world, when people are expected to write more and more, sometimes doesn't happen. People reach a plateau, and then they either stay there or they even. Uh, tail off a little bit as the demands to write more and more increase. But it doesn't seem to be the case with you. You're, you're sort of your own man, and, and you write to your own schedule, and it, the books just keep improving, which is, which is terrific. How do you do it? Well, first of all, from you, that's a, that's a high compliment, and I appreciate it. Well, you know, first, going back to when I started, Steve, as you said, I, I was a finance major in school, I, I didn't have any literature courses. I didn't have a clue when I wrote my first book. I mean, it was, I think my editor cut out 100 pages by the time he, he, uh, he's a, he uses a red pen and he bled all over my manuscript. At least that's what it looked like. But, but I learned so much from, from the editing process and from reading. Uh, you know, I used to read books for just for pleasure. Now I read them as kind of resource material. You know, just to pick up a, t- a Tony Hillerman or a or a Tom Clancy or, or uh, any uh, any really uh, good writer uh, or, uh, or great writer, uh, if you slow down in the reading, you can really learn an awful lot about voice and and style and you know how they structure uh, something you know as basic as structuring the. The chapters and the and and the way the plot they weave the plot through the book. I mean, it's just been a uh, an amazing education. And uh, and as I said earlier, I am so passionate about this process. I would be crushed if somebody ever said to me, "Well, this book isn't as good as the previous one." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the great things about writing is that you can keep doing it as long as you want. There's no age limit. There's no time limit. Uh, as long as your mind is sharp, you can keep producing work. And, and there are plenty of examples of people in their 80s, 90s, still producing great books. Well, I, I, 
at 70 years of age, I would have to argue with you about whether or not there's a time limit. But, <laughs> well, but, there's always a time limit, but we don't know what it is. <laughs> well, you're absolutely correct. And, and uh, so, I, but I am having so much fun. And, and uh, you know, when somebody writes a review or sends me an email and says, don't stop writing, I love your books, uh, it really makes it all worthwhile. I, uh, I am having so much fun doing this, and, and uh, I, I, uh, I would encourage everybody out there that's ever wanted to write a book to do it. <laughs> yes, and uh, it, you know, it, it's this is going to play on November seventeenth. It's a shame this wasn't November first because then we could encourage everyone to do NanoRimo, which is National Writing Month, something or other. Where right. a lot of people will try and write the first draft of an entire book in the, in a thirty day period, which seems like a Herculean task to me. <laughs> well, you know, it, it sounds like that, but if you sit down and write ten pages a day, you got a three hundred page book. Yeah, that's true. So is, is that is that the way you do it, Joe? Do you sit down and write ten pages a day? Is that is well, that your schedule? No, sometimes it's three pages and sometimes it's 30 pages. I mean, I, uh, it, I, can, I get into a zone sometimes and I can't stop. Uh, other times I, uh, uh, I either get interrupted by something or I, uh, or I just, um, something, you know, sometimes writing 30 pages is as easy as writing three pages. It's, it's just some, uh, other times it's just agony, agony to get, get something out mm-hmm. because, I'm stumped about you know trying to uh, trying to inject a, a suspense, for instance, into uh, a day's writing, and uh, um, but it it uh, there's no formula. I mean, literally, some days it's v- a very short uh, number of pages that I crank out, and other days I you know I'll start at eight o'clock in the morning, and next thing I know, it's eight o'clock at night, mm-hmm. and I'm still still writing. Those are the great days. <laughs> oh. Yes. And do you edit as you go, or do you just finish the draft and then go back and, and edit? No, I finish, I finish the draft, except once in a while I'll realize that I've contradicted myself somewhere, and I'll go back and, and correct that while it's fresh in my mind. But generally, I'll write the first draft, and, and, and usually my first draft will take me 60 to 90 days uh, on average. Mm-hmm. There's some have been evil deeds was a big book and it took me longer but uh and then i'll go back and i'll i'll edit usually on average about six to eight times to the point that i'm sick of it and i can't stand the story anymore <laughs> right <laughs> and, and then uh, I pa- pass it on to my editor the editor will do a uh a, 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 a very thorough edit of the manuscript and then at that point it goes to the uh uh, I'll, I'll rewrite it based on the editor's comments, and then it'll go to my publisher, and the publisher edits again. So it, it has been through a lot of cleaning up uh, from the first draft all the way through to what what is uh, produced by the publisher. When did you actually finish um, what you thought would be the final draft of Death Ship before you sent it to the editor? How long ago was that? Um, it's been li- less than six months. The uh, that's a pretty quick turnaround, then. Oh, it's yeah, it's very good, and and uh, and some of it was intentionally delayed because we wanted to get it out uh, a little bit more than a month before Christmas. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, so it probably could have been out 60 days ago, but uh, the publisher and I agreed that what we should do is, is put it out in the middle of November. Well, for people who are looking for great Christmas gifts, I highly recommend this book. I love all of your books, Joe. Where can people find it? Well, you can go to any bookstore in the country, and if they don't have it on the shelves, they'll order it. And uh, or you go to Amazon, and uh, you can get it in print or ebook format on Amazon. Uh, uh, by the way, the first four books in the Danforth saga are available for only one dollar and ninety nine cents during the month of November. Oh, really? Hey, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'll make a note of that in the show notes as well, because that's a terrific deal. Everybody that I've ever recommended those books to, and it's been plenty, have come back and thanked me for recommending the series to them. So if, if you're looking for great thriller series at a great price, um, get these in November. That's a terrific idea. Joe, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Where can people keep up with you and what you're doing? What's the best place? Uh, go to my website, which is Joseph Bedell, that's B-A-D-A-L, books.com. All right. And I, I happen to know that there is an email list they can sign up for while they're there, and I would encourage people to do that as well, uh, because that way you're always alerted when new books come out. So, Joe, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Steve. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.crimefiction.fm. If you do pop by the website, please sign up for my email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Death Ship from Joseph Bedell. Thanks for listening.